Good morning. Happy Easter. My name is Alicia, and today's reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapters 20, verses 11 through 16. Please follow along in your own Bibles or simply listen as the scriptures are read. Again, that's John 20, starting with verse 11. Following the reading, I invite you to respond in worship with the singing of the doxology. As you are able, I, we invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Hear the word of the Lord. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Hello. My name is Matt. It is great to be worshiping with you here on this beautiful Easter morning. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. It's uh, our fifth uh, Easter Sunday here at Haverhill Commons Church. It's hard to believe we've had five Easter's already. This is our third in person. We did two online. I'm sure you really remember those, but you remember the ones in person, right? Um, we are so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful to see you all as we celebrate the new life we have in Christ. We have spent all of Lent lamenting, and now we get to turn the page, and we get to rejoice, and we get to celebrate. There is nothing like the resurrection. As we turn towards the resurrection, I invite you to pause with me for a moment to take a few deep breaths and to let your spirit and soul interact with the Lord this morning. So please pause with me as we pray. Lord, you are here this, with us this morning. You are here because you are alive. Death could not defeat you. You rose victorious, and you invite us into the life that you have freely given, freely received. We thank you so much, Jesus. Be with us. Speak to us this morning, we pray. In your name, amen. As I said, my name is Matt, the wonderful name my parents bestowed upon me in September 26, 1977, Matthew. <clears throat> and I know I'm not the only one out there, <laughs> because in the year of my birth, Matthew was the fifth most popular boy name in the United States. And throughout the 80s and 90s, it was the third most popular boy name. There are a lot of Matts out there. In a room this size, there's always at least three of us. Yeah, boom. <clears throat> Hi, other mats. Good to see you. You know the feeling. You know what I'm talking about. You're in a concert. You're at a sporting event. You're in a classroom. You're at a restaurant, and you hear Matt, and you turn around only to realize they're not looking for me. They're looking for other Matt, and other Matt is very popular. So just to function in the world as a human being, Matt's go by Matt P or Matt S or Maddie, or Matthew, right? In first grade, I was Matt the Cat. <laughs> Very cool. Except no one else has ever gone by Matt the Cat, so maybe it's not that cool after all. But I do admit that I don't love that there are so many other Matts. All of us. Look at all of us out there. There are so many Matts out there. Matts everywhere. Millions of Matts. 
Millions of Mats, which sounds like the name of a horror film, actually, to me, Millions of Mats. I kind of want my name to be unique, you know, special, different. You see, names aren't just words or sounds. Names are important. Names are how we distinguish one person from everyone else. Names are how we talk about things in the world. Take this thing. Its name is Fork. Did you know that each part of the fork has its own name? There are points and slots and tines and a root and a neck and a handle. If you know the names of all the parts of the fork, then you really love forks. I must say, the neck on this fork is superb. See, names are really helpful. Think about it. You want to get someone's attention, you say their name. You want to wake somebody up, you say their name. You want to get somebody in trouble, you say their name. And then you say their middle name. And if you want to get somebody in really big trouble, you say their first name, their middle name, and their last name. And that's the way they know. <laughs> Matthew Richard Webble, get over here. I bring up names because in the passage Alicia read for us, we see how powerful a name can be. In John chapter 20, we find Mary at Jesus' tomb after his crucifixion. But let's back up. Who is Mary, anyway? Just like there are a lot of mats, there were and there are a lot of Marys. It was by far the most common name given to girls at that time in that area of the world. Someone calls out, Mary, and a whole bunch of people turn around. There are a lot of other Marys. So many other Marys that our Mary is one of the most miscast and misunderstood figures in the New Testament. The whole reason people assumed she was promiscuous was because a 6th century pope got mixed up about all of his Marys and thought that this Mary was a prostitute. So we get all these ridiculous Renaissance paintings of Mary usually wearing red. But that is not our Mary. When Jesus first met our Mary, her life was in pieces, but she was more victim than sinner. Luke 8 says that she was tormented by seven demons, and scholars think that the number seven could be symbolic, a way to indicate that she was completely overwhelmed by the forces that were against her. Others think that this was a psychological illness, something that we might classify as mental health struggle today. Without question, she was suffering, and suffering a lot. And this kind of suffering often leads to isolation from others. I suspect that if we saw our Mary, crazy Mary, seven demon Mary, scary Mary, we'd head in the other direction and quickly. But Jesus didn't run away. He saw Mary, Mary from Magdala, and he knew who she was, and he took her affliction from her, and he healed her and made her whole and changed her whole life. And after that, Jesus became Mary's anchor. Like all of the other disciples, she left everything she had, and she followed Jesus, and she wasn't an outcast anymore. She was Mary, one of Christ's followers, mentioned in the New Testament by name more than any other woman, and often more than most of the male disciples as well. Where Jesus went, she went, even to the very end. When the other disciples saw Jesus captured and crucified, they headed in the other direction, and they headed there quickly. But Mary is there towards Jesus at the cross. She is with him at the end when he dies. And she was with him three days later at the tomb where he was buried. And she was not doing well. She was weeping because Jesus was gone. And I mean that literally. His body was missing, so she is weeping. Where was it? Who took it? Why would they do such a thing? Did they steal it? Where is he? She goes and finds Simon and John and tells them the news. They come, they check out the scene, and then they leave. So we again have Mary alone at the tomb, devastated, completely lost, 
weeping. Trying to make sense of what has happened, fighting through her tears, she looks up and she sees two white-robed angels sitting there. Now, when angels show up in the Bible, people generally fall to the ground in worship, overcome by the angels' radiance or power or presence. But not Mary. She sees the angels and she keeps on weeping. That's how devastated she was. Angels? She's looking for Jesus. And she knew someone had taken away her Lord and she did not know where they had taken him. So she wept. And I can't help but wonder if part of the reason Mary was so upset was that without Jesus, without Jesus, she was afraid that things might go back to the way they were before Jesus. You know, when she was scary Mary, alone and suffering. Then Mary turned. She turned and someone was there blocking her way. And she thought it was the gardener. Maybe he knew what happened to the body of Jesus. Sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. Please. Please. And the gardener says a single word. Mary. Mary. He said her name, Mary. And all of the sudden, a spell was broken. His voice broke through her grief and fear. It wasn't the gardener. It was Jesus. And he was alive. And he spoke her name. He wasn't looking for other Mary. He was looking for her, for Mary Magdalene, the first one to know that Jesus had risen and meet him in person. And wrapped up in her response is all the faith and love and joy that she has in her heart. She says, Rabboni, which probably is a nickname form of rabbi. Rabboni. A special name she had for Jesus, the kind of nickname you use when you're really close to someone, when you know them really well, all their parts. Mary thought her life was over, but it wasn't. She wasn't lost, she was found. She wasn't anonymous, she was known. She wasn't alone, she was with Jesus and would be with Jesus forever, always. Nothing, not even death, could change that. And Jesus gave her a purpose. He said, go back and tell the others what you've seen here. Go back and tell them about me. Being found, being known, being given purpose is a powerful thing. It reminds me of a story that a few of you who've been around long enough will remember because you were there. One of our very first Let's Have Fun events here at Haverhill Commons was taking everyone to the Topsfield Fair after church. Megan wasn't able to come for some reason that I can't remember, so I was in charge of watching our three young boys, and we had a blast. It was amazing. Pure joy on this face of Griffin at the time. Marcus was having a pretty good time, too, there in the background. Keep in mind, there are thousands and thousands of people at the Topsfield Fair. Keeping track of these three energetic boys is hard enough in my own backyard, let alone at the Topsfield Fair. Mega harder. So I was on full alert that day. And all of a sudden, I didn't see Griffin. He was right there a second ago, and I had the twins, one, two, right here, but I didn't see Griffin. And I couldn't find him. 10 seconds became 30 seconds. In a minute, it became 15 minutes. And when someone's gone for 15 minutes, then they're missing. They're like really missing. And my eyes flew around the crowd, surveying, searching every face, and I yelled, Griffin, Griffin. 
people in our crew realized something was wrong and they started to help. And someone, I think Rachel, always Rachel, took the twins so that I could sift through the crowd up and down the rows of carnival games, past the flashing lights and whirling rides, and I would stop strangers. Have you seen my boy? He's six. He has blonde hair. Will you help me look for him? He's lost. Please. And the whole time I'm yelling for my son, I'm screaming, Griffin, Griffin. And there could have been a dozen Griffins at that fair that day, but I wasn't calling any of those other Griffins. I was calling my Griffin. And I've been through my fair share of hard things in this life, but I have never been more terrified than I was at that moment because my son was gone and I could not find him. And then I hear something through the noise. My memory's a little bit fuzzy on it, I'll be honest. But what I remember is yelling Griffin and hearing a man's voice also saying Griffin, like an echo of mine. Griffin, Griffin. Above the crowd, Griffin, Griffin. And I went in the direction of the voice and I found a man and holding the man's hand was Griffin, like my Griffin. I had found him. One second he was lost. And then because of his name, he was found again. Maybe this morning, like Griffin, you feel lost. Maybe this morning, like Mary, you've suffered. And maybe you have a few extra names. Names people have given you, or maybe names you've even given yourself. Names that you call yourself crazy, or I'm too much, or I'm broken, or I'm bad or I'm unwanted, or I'm ugly. A liar, a failure, a quitter, a coward. Or some other name that hangs around your neck like a chain. And like Mary, maybe this morning you are at the tomb and you are lost deep in despair or confusion or even apathy. And it feels like all hope is lost for you. And then... Jesus. You think it's just the gardener, but it's Jesus. And he speaks your name, your real name. Out of all the Marys, Mary. Out of all the Griffins, Griffin. Out of all the Davids, David. Out of all the Ninas, Nina. Out of all the Ollies, Ollie. Out of all the Michaels, Michael. Out of all the Megans, out of all the millions of Megans, <laughs> Megan, out of all the names, yours, out of all the people, you. God has come out of the grave and God is looking all around for you. You are known, all of the parts. What does Jesus calling your name look like? Maybe it looks like making that decision that you've been putting off because you're really scared of what might happen. You know what you need to do, but you know, you know what you need to do. You know it deep in your spirit, and Jesus is calling you to be brave. Maybe you feel a tug in your heart towards some other person. You're not sure because you don't really know them very well. You're not sure how they'll respond to you, but you just have the feeling that they could use a friend, and Jesus is calling you. To love. Maybe you've pushed someone away. You used to be close, but then something has happened and you've grown apart and 
yet you've been thinking about them a lot. Maybe they could forgive you, or you could forgive them. And Jesus is calling you to be reconciled. Maybe you're struggling with your mental health. You worry a lot. You spiral. And you don't talk about it, but you have dark thoughts. And you feel so alone in them. And Jesus is calling you to share your struggle, to seek help. Maybe you're doing too much. You're carrying too much. You're giving too much. You're empty. You've got nothing left, but you keep on giving because you're the doer. You're the helper. You're the giver. And Jesus is calling you to let go of some of those things without feeling guilty about it. Maybe like Griffin at the Topsfield Fair, you feel lost in the crowd. You're not sure who you are. You're not sure why you're here. You're not sure what your purpose in this world is. And Jesus is calling you. Calling you, your name among the names to trust him with your whole life to walk away from the grave and to follow him into hope and into resurrection right here, right now, and forevermore. Friends, the name that we speak on Easter is Jesus. And the name that he speaks is yours. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, God Almighty, maker of this earth, maker of heaven, maker of our souls, we know that you know us. You know our names. It is so hard to believe sometimes that out of all the names, you know our name and you call us by name. Yet you promise that you do. Lord, help us this morning if we hear nothing else. Hear you call us by name. That we are wanted and desired and loved and cherished and chosen. All the parts. It's in your powerful name that we pray. Jesus, amen.